Welcome to the commentary for Antony and Cleopatra Acts 2. I am Assistant Director Swen Halverson, and this here with me is Director Landon Bell. If the great gods be just, they shall assist the deeds of justest men. And this is the second time we've recorded this commentary. Because somebody's commentary recorder decided to crap out on them, so... Yay! <laughs> now we have two recordings going. <laughs> so... Gotta have backups here. So, Swen, you directed this scene. Yep. Uh, uh, we have wave sounds, and uh, the scene was set in Messina, which I looked up online, and there's some coasts there, so I thought, oh, Pompey, Pompey probably has a house on the coast. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's really a great touch, I think, because uh, Julius Caesar didn't really have any scenes uh, near the coastline and um, it's, it's easy to forget that Italy is over there right next to the Mediterranean so there's a lot of coastline around Italy a lot of good places to set scenes and the music is Daydream by Zero Project which also happens to have some wave sound very nice um, so before I forget it, uh, here in the scene we have Matthew Hawking as Pompey, uh, we have Eric Matthews as Various, and we also have Jeremiah McCoy as Manegrates. But let us rear the higher our opinion that our stirring can from the lap of Egypt. Oh, and we have uh, Ricky Wright as Menace. Shame on me. I did this last time we recorded this as well. I forgot people's names, so Landon, you're gonna have to get this right this time. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of people. Were it not that we stand up against it's easy to forget people, all right? Not really. For they have entertained calls enough to draw their swords. I remember all of my actors equally. Which is to say, I I forget people's names. It only stands our lives against the strongest hands. Come, Minas. That's a really bad thing to admit. Um, I actually don't I don't forget people's names when I'm mixing. Um, I do on the commentaries though. I sit down to commentate and I'm like, that person's name is. Oh. <laughs> so unless you have a hundred lines, chances are I have to check my list. When you're mixing, it's a whole lot different. You're hearing someone talk over and over and over again. So you remember their names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, their names aren't in there. Yeah, but I, I tend to remember people's names when I'm mixing. Don't know why. I just do. I did never know their name. Let Anthony look over Caesar's head and speak as sort of, but I guess I did help cast it, so I should remember. Well, I think it's an easy thing to do when you have a cast this large. Like comedy of errors, I could rattle everybody's names off. Uh, this one is so large that you forget names. 
pray you stir no embers up. Not because actors don't do a good job, but because there's so many names that it's hard to remember. It's like trying to remember a speech. Ah, we have Aiden Rudd as Lepidus. And we have Anna Rodriguez as Antony. Andrew Hackley as Domitius Anabarbus. Then, noble partners, the and I earnestly beseech, touch you the sourest points. Finn MK as Octavius Caesar, who has not shown up yet, but he will here in a second. Well, were we before our armies and to fight? I should do thus. Welcome to Rome. Thank you. Oh, there he is. Sit, sit, sir. Nay, go, Octavius. <laughs> I learn you take things ill which are not so, or being concern you not. I must be laughed at, if, or for nothing or little, I should say myself offended, and with you chiefly in the world, more laughed at that I should once name you derogatively, when to sound your name it not concerned me. My being in Egypt, Caesar, what was it to you? No more than my... The scene, um, I directed the scene, and it's in so tense. Yet, you can cut the air with a knife. Yes. And um, being in Egypt, I wanted the the, the music in the background to be dark to kind of reflect that. To catch and um, some eagle-eared listeners might remember this song from the scene in Julius Caesar where um, Cassius and Casca are talking in the rain. Um, that scene was just so dark and ominous and one of my favorite scenes in that play. And um, I, I liked carrying over that, that motif uh, for the beginning of the scene, because this scene lightens up near the end. And make the wars alike against my stomach, having alike your cause? Of this, my letters before... But the, uh, the big thing with this scene is that Antony and Octavius seriously disagree about... Uh, po their political actions. Yes. So, in some ways, they're going at this like it's a family feud. Um, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Not yet. Uh, not yet, uh, but that's, that's like a play away. Uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. As for my wife. I would you had her spirit in such another. I'm going to drop subtle references to the next play as much as I can, even though it's pretty public at this point that it's Romeo and Juliet, the sitcom. Would we uh, <laughs> such wives that the men might go to wars with the women? So much uncurbable. Uh, that'll be fun. Made out of her impatience, which not But we're having fun with this play now, so I, I gotta yep, can't get too ahead of myself. <laughs> For that you must but say, I could not help it. I wrote to you when rioting in Alexandria. You did pocket up my letters, and with taunts did jibe my missive out of audience. Sir. Uh, hearing Anna here reminded me, um, I told her that I would point it out on the commentary because I'm a horrible person, uh, and forgot it. But, um, Anna did in fact pronounce Pompey correctly in the play and um i think swin wasn't there one other person who did yes he comes up in i believe the next soft or the next uh, act act yes 
the honor is I don't remember who actor play which one is it <laughs> I don't remember which actor you are who got it right with Anna but um I will give you a shout out on the commentary if I catch it <laughs> because you're a trooper and Anna's a trooper and we reward troopers but I didn't have to say it oh who am I kidding everyone in this place a trooper my goodness the line count in this play is unreal or which myself and it's carried it's carried by about four or five people <laughs> and every everyone else has just a few lines noble spoken our actors are all beautiful talented <laughs> yes they are we have we are blessed to have our actors worthily spoken um here we have uh, Kyle Garrett as Messinas, who was just kind of standing in the uh, the background um I have to give Kyle a shout out for um, his dedication to this role. Uh, probably more than anyone else on any other play I've worked on. He has corresponded and been like, okay, well, uh, could I do this with this character? This with this character? And it's a small role, but he really wanted to make the character pop. And he does a really great job of that. Um, the voice we wound up going with is uh, he, he did several different voices and did several different perform performances overall. Um, but the one we went with was uh, kind of like a Sean Connery voice. And uh, I think it really works well. It's not quite British even. It's just it's just got that Connery, those Connery isms in it. Caesar, let me hear Agrippa further speak. To hold you in perpetual amity, to make you siblings, and to like if he stopped and started saying Junior, then um, <laughs> that would probably be pretty fitting. <laughs> Sorry, I just really like uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's a good movie. It's my favorite Indiana Jones movie, and I make. Um, no bones about that. It's just my favorite one. I like it. I can hear the haters from a mile away. It's like, Raiders is better! I'd have to watch him again to see which one's my favorite. Raiders is good. I love Raiders, but I love The Last Crusade more. If I would say Agrippa, be it so, to make this good. The power of How did we get on Indiana Jones? This is Shakespeare. <laughs> hey, it's better than silence. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We've got to keep the, the people on their car ride to work uh, occupied. Or the people at the gym. Wherever you are listening. You should tweet us and let us know where you're listening. Or email us. Uh, we actually have an email address for the show. Um, only our actors knew that, but our email address is wildbillvarietyshow at gmail.com. I did not think to draw my sword against Pompey, for he hath laid strange curses. Yeah, email us. That way we can answer questions. Send us fan mail. We will answer your questions. Compliment us. And talk about you and talk about us. But mostly we'll just answer your questions. <laughs> Where lies he? 
about the Mount Mycenaeum. What is his Nobody listens land? to the commentary. Right? Increasing, but by sea he is See, that's what I thought minister. until uh, we said that on one commentary, and then I got Twitter messages from people, and they're like, yeah, we listen to the commentary. We love the commentary. I always listen to the commentary. I do too. I, I love listening and hearing uh, the backstory and um, how this led to that. And it's really great stuff. It's really insightful. Sickness should detain me. While I was talking about um, Sean Connery and commentaries uh, <laughs> I missed the fact that um, Octavius was giving his brother away to uh, Antony uh, to mend their relationship um, after she had lost her wife and um, <clears throat> someone at least in the western world it, it still happens in other parts of the world but at least in the western world um, a sibling Giving away a sibling this was but a in marriage for political purposes just doesn't work. <laughs> it's it's not it doesn't work culturally. It doesn't work on a practical level. Um, and in the original text, um, it was Octavia's sister. Um, but what we decided to do was change. Um, the character's gender, which I think this is the first time we've ever done that with a female character. Um, in one of the plays, but uh, most of them are male. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most most of them are male, so we're usually switching it to female. But um, we'd made Otto a male for uh, this play, and uh, basically with the idea behind it being that uh, Octavius and Otto would agree beforehand to do this uh, for political purposes. Like they would talk it over, and even though that. You know, the, the scene is set up so that he's just doing it behind Otto's back. Otto would agree to do it. On each side of her stood pretty dimpled boys, like smiling. And it was it was important for me um, during casting to make sure that uh, the character of Otto wound up still being a meek character. Um, like they are in the text. And I think that our actor uh, who played the character did a fine job with that. Uh, Rich Burgess. Yes. His, uh, his audition when it came in, it was just it was exactly what we were looking for. Flower soft hands that yearly frame the office. That's kind of a th that's kind of a theme with this play. Uh, we got a lot of auditions for this play, and they were just exactly what we were looking for. There were some that weren't, but there were, were there were very good ones. Yeah, there there were some that weren't, and um, so we 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 played around with those and cast in the right places that fit. But um, others just clicked. Invited her to supper. She replied, "It should be better." She became her guest, which she entreated. Ah, courteous Antony, who never the word of. No, no Barbus. <laughs> if I remember correctly, we stopped here last time too, just to listen to him speak. <laughs> Andrew does a really great job with his pathos in this act. He just, you're just listening, and you just you hear everything he's saying, and you hear the inflection, and you hear the words, and it just works. It works very well, and um. 
Yeah, I, I I mentioned this in the last commentary, but I remember when uh, he was recording his lines, and he was like, "Well, you know, if you got any pointers for this or that, you know, it, it I think it would help me." And I just, I mean, I, I t- gave him a few things, but I would just, I was thinking, yeah, he, there's not much I can tell you to do because you're doing a better job than what I'm telling you. Yeah, <laughs> you're blowing my mind. Become themselves in her, which he always has. He always has takes that are like perfect too. Like you don't have to do much. Can settle the heart of Otto is a like, he doesn't stumble over his words. I, I know, I don't know if he stumbles over him and fixes it or not, but he really has several takes that are all good, and then there's no mistakes really in there. Yeah, he's he was really good about that. Um, kind of reminds me of um, Jason Wallace, Jason R. Wallace or, and um, Cat Pride. Both of them uh, do a very good job of we giving you clean takes. To them for you. Good night, sir. Which don't get me wrong. As much as I like clean takes, I actually like dirty takes sometimes because those are what winds up in the commentary, <laughs> or not the commentary, the uh, the uh, blooper reel. <laughs> and we have scene three. See that right there. Now I have a new intro for the uh, the next blooper reel. Wonderful. If you can. And our wonderful reason. soothsayer. Yes, Vincent Morrison as the soothsayer. Back again in his final appearance. Uh, I'm going to miss this character. He just seems like he doesn't take anything from anybody. No, not at all. He doesn't care how powerful they are or not. Is noble, this character, other than Othello, which Vincent's done a lot of characters for Pendant um, over the years, but other than Othello, second to him, I think that his next best character is the Soothsayer. And even though the Soothsayer is a small role, he just really elevated it. And... When you hear the soothsayer talk, it's just you're just totally drawn into it. You want to know what he has to say. <laughs> you hear him talk, and you're like, "Man, this is a smart guy." Get the gone. Say to Ventidius, I would speak with him. He shall to Parthia. Here comes the side. <laughs> yes. Originally, I had some sort of echo effect to make it like she was in her head, but uh, we decided to just have it maybe a little bit less volume. Yeah, I definitely think that works. Um, Asides are fun <laughs> when you're doing this in audio because... Um, and though I make this marriage for my peace... Asides in the original text are intended for the audience. It's intended for the character to be saying this to the audience. And then the audience to respond. Uh, but there's no there's no way for the audience to respond to the characters in an audio drama. So, kind of what you have to do is you have to make it sound like they're talking to you in your head. They're just talking to you, and then the play goes on. And I think that worked really well Trouble yourselves no further pray you hasten your generals after sir 
Mia Antony will even but kiss Otto, and we'll follow. Till I shall see you in your soldier's dress, which will become you both. Farewell. We shall. Ah, uh, this little scene. It's a very little scene. Uh, very little. Way is shorter. But, um, purposes do draw me much about the, uh, you'll win two days upon me. The traffic you hear in the background is actually the same traffic from, uh, Twelfth Night. Um, um, trying to think of the scene here. Uh, it's the same scene when, um, <coughs> Malvolio and Viola are speaking in the street. Give me some music. And uh, he hands her a ring uh, Moody back. Food of us that trade and love. The music, ho! So, nice little Easter egg there. Um, Let it alone. Let's to billiards. We actually wind up reusing sound effects quite a bit on this show. Yes. Um, and people don't notice it. As well, a woman uh, with a but that one was one that well with I haven't used since, Come. so... <laughs> You'll play with me, sir. As well as I can, madam. Most of the time, if we re reuse one, it's just a like a footstep or ambiance or something like that. But uh, mm -hmm. and here we have Rachel Rimke as Cleopatra, and her cohorts, her servant cohorts, <laughs> um, Dave Morgan as Mardian, Amber Lee as Iris, and Paige Tulane as Carmion. Your cup. Twas merry when you wagered on your angling. When your diver did hang a saltfish. Last time we went through this, <laughs> I mentioned that the music started right when she said, "Give me some music." So oh yes, I was wondering yes. if that was in the scene or if that was. And next morning, Um, when I was mixing it, I, I kind of just. Made the music, um, or, or at least I, I chose a piece that could work either way. Like if if the listener wanted it to be music playing in the room, it could be. Or if the listener wanted it to be scoring, then it could be. I actually I don't I don't have much of an opinion either way. <laughs> We have Melissa Bartell as the messenger. Yes. And this scene, my goodness, my goodness. We raved about this scene the first yes. time we recorded this commentary, but we're going to do it again because it's a good yes. scene. <laughs> it's so good. I think it's my favorite so far. The gold I give thee. Will I melt and pour down my... Rachel and Melissa both just... Again, this is another one of those scenes that you could cut with a knife. Uh, the tension in the air is just... Man! And we, we also talked about this um, in the previous commentary, but it, it's very clear um, listening to Cleopatra that she thinks very little of the messenger. Um, the messenger's just doing her job, but Cleopatra just, she, she really sees the messenger as beneath her. I shouldn't have to deal with this person. <laughs> and it makes for fantastic drama. Caesar and she are greater friends than ever. 
make thee a fortune from me. <laughs> oh, I love that. It does allay the good precedent. She just has this like cup of gold coins where she can just toss them. <laughs> there's actually there's a scene in the next act where she's she's flipping a coin out of a pool. Um, so. In state of health, thou sayest, and thou sayest... Goodness, so far. Hey, Adam. No, <laughs> uh, I made no such report. She's bound unto Otto. For what good turn? For the best turn of the bed? <laughs> I am pale, Carmian. Madam, she's married to Otto. The most infectious pestilence upon thee. Good madam, patience... What's on the music on this, is this did you mix songs together or did it just work? Uh, this is actually a couple of different songs together. Um, the very first one was uh, Dreamland um, at the beginning, and this one is called The Return of the King, which really they need to change the title to The Return of the Queen, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> it was a king when I used it in Julius Caesar, so there we go. I'm missing the knife to the throat. I love this part where she just drags her out in the middle of the room. She just takes her out into the middle of the room and takes the knife out. Kindly creatures turn all serpents. And then the messenger gets away. Call the slave again. Though I am mad, I will not bite him. Some might say right oh, before it gets good, but <laughs> we're not quite so morbid here, okay? Hurt her. <laughs> These hands do lack nobility. Um that they strike a mean. I mentioned myself. um Since earlier I that I used a piece that um called back to a previous scene in Julius Caesar and it's actually the same thing Come with hither, Cleopatra and the Knife. That is the same piece no, that I used when um, the conspirators kill Caesar. Um, Give to a gracious message. Same exact music. A and um, It works because it's it's just... Both, both scenes are moments of rage. I have done my duty. Is she married? It's just in this one no one dies. I cannot hate thee worse than I do if thou again say yes. <laughs> Yes, she's married. Actually, when you think about it, it's a wonder that the messenger makes it through this play. Yes. <laughs> but it, it's a true wonder of all wonders that she does because uh, she's constantly traveling everywhere. And there's war and a queen who tries to kill you. And She's <laughs> married. I crave it's your not easy to be a messenger pardon. these days, apparently. She is married. Take no offense that I would not offend you. To punish me for what you make me do seems much unequal. She is Interesting how the messenger seems seems to be expecting something worse when she was talking to Antony in the, like the previous act. And then something worse does happen when she talks to Cleopatra. Lie there, definitely, definitely. Um, I actually, when I was talking to Melissa about 
her um her take on this character um i told her for this scene you know that she needs to come in and just be extremely fearful throughout and in the next act she meets with both cleopatra and antony and i wanted her to contrast how she's fearful around cleopatra and around antony she's a lot more comfortable um, even Go though together, that was a little bit different in the previous act. So, I guess things change when someone tries to kill you. <laughs> Let her forever go. Let her not. Come here. Oh, something I thought of um, before before this scene is over. I didn't mention anything about Dave Morgan's character, Mardian, um, who was only there for a second. He uh, He's a eunuch. And so when I was talking to Dave about the voice, um, I just told him, you know, let's let's go with something that's very eunuch-y, <laughs> uh, kind of effeminate. And um, he did a very good job of it. And Carmine showed up a little bit. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, page two lean as Carmine. Who does I the fantastic this. job? Your hostages I have. So have you Scene six. A courthouse near Mess. Most meet that first Missing him. Words, and therefore have we our written purposes <laughs> before us sent. Which, if thou hast considered... This scene, there wasn't actually a lot of direction in the script um, in the adaptation we did. Um, it just says that it's in a courthouse. Mm. So um, we kind of just left it that way and left it up to whoever directed the scene. And I think that Swin does a really good job here of uh, highlighting that, hey, this is a courthouse setting. Um, especially since there's no judge in the background saying, order in the court. <laughs> I just put a little echo and stuff. Definitely. We had at the beginning four ruffles and flourishes by United States Marine band. Oh, uh, United States Army Pershing Zone. Yes. Pershing Zone. Take your time. And we have Return of the King again. <laughs> by zero project and we'll speak with thee at sea. hey it works, well it works. you go with what works it will change to sunrise over the misty mountains when things start to be less, a little less tense nice maybe it's just me but when i hear this scene i think of the courtroom scenes in to kill a mockingbird um, I haven't seen that one. It just kind of reminds me of them. Probably because that is... That's what a lot of people consider to be like the best courtroom drama ever made. Um, the book and the film. Uh, but it just kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah, Swin, there's your homework assignment. <laughs> Though I lose the praise of it by To kill a mockingbird. When Caesar and your brother were at blows, your mother came to Sicily and did find her welcome friendly. I have heard it, Pompey, and am well studied for liberal thanks which I do owe you. Let me have your hand. 
I did not think, sir, to have met you here. The beds in the east are Have you soft, introduced everybody? And thanks to I, I did, yes. Um, in uh, the previous scene. <laughs> Since I saw you last, there was a um, change upon you. Antony had a line here a second ago uh, where she said that the beds in the east are softer. And, um... Well, in the in the last commentary, I pointed out that that's really a um, one of the biggest contrasts of this play is that that's the next to do. At the end of the day, this place play is about east versus west, and even though Octavius is billed as the villain, um, he's really only the villain because Antony, her heart is in the east, and. Um, so you see a major contrast between his character and his Western ideals and Cleopatra and her um, Eastern um, exotic, I use the term exotic loosely, but um, it's just a different culture. It's a very different kind of culture than what Antony is used to. And I think part of that is why, why Antony is so drawn to that. Which Caesar was uh, Cleopatra's previous? Uh, Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. Which I I love the joke. I love the joke about that. That um, Jace, Jason played Julius Caesar, and now Rachel and Jason are getting married. Uh, <laughs> that was not planned. Uh, when I remember when I cast Rachel as Cleopatra, I had no idea that. She even knew who Jason was. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, I find that out later um, on Twitter. I posted about it on Twitter, so. <sighs> and we had the United States Army Old, Guy, uh, old Guard Fife and Drum Corps. Indeed. Ephraf. Oh, wait. Ephraf, Naf, and there. Yes, something or part of it anyway. <laughs> you have been a great thief by sea. But yeah, Rachel is Cleopatra and Jason is Caesar is the great irony of these two plays. If our eyes had authority, here they might take two thieves kissing. All men's faces are true. I don't think we've ever done anything like that before. Um like what? I don't think we've ever done anything like that before that was quite that ironic. Oh. They steal hearts. But we came hither to maybe we should aim higher, Swim. <laughs> Put a little note in the casting hall. It's like, if there's any kind of ir irony into your auditioning, let us know. You've said so. If you think we should do that, you should send us some fan mail. <laughs> True, sir. We actually we actually have an email address. Um, a lot of people don't know this, um, unless you've been an actor on the show. But yeah, we have an email address: wildbillvarietyshow at gmail .com. And yeah, tell us if we should put an irony note in the casting call. <laughs> we won't do it, but tell us if we should, anyways. I think the policy of that purpose made more in the marriage than the. Or you know, just ask us questions and we'll answer them on the commentary. Yeah, that way we won't have much dead space. <laughs> or listening space. Well, then we won't be asking you to send us questions. 
because they'll be sending them. Exactly. Exactly. We want the commentaries to be as good as the actual show. She will to her Egyptian dish again. We want you on your your drive to work, your jog on the treadmill. We want it to pop. We want these commentaries to be the thing that you run and listen to as soon as you finish the episode. <laughs> Not before. <laughs> Not before, because we spoil everything. Everything. And I mean everything. Um, except the Force Awakens, because we don't spoil the Force Awakens. Um, because the everybody internet would <laughs> Yeah, everybody dies. Especially R2-D2. But, you know. But BB-8 gets legs, so... <laughs> oh true story thanks JJ no comment I would watch that movie <laughs> I'm here to tell you BB-8 with legs Lepidus is high colored made him drink alms drink. Uh, so this is the first and second servant by the uh, played by Amber Lee and then no Rich Burgess reconciles them to his entreaty and himself to the on board Pompey's galley off absolutely um, and, and Rich also played um, Otto so this is he's one of the few people who has a second role in this play. Uh, same with Amber, actually. <laughs> Amber also plays uh, Iris. So he doesn't sound like Otto when he's playing the servant. <laughs> no, not at all. He does a very good job of uh, pulling a second voice out of his hat. Um. And like Swim was saying, uh, this scene does take place on Pompey's ship. Um, in the original, it's a galley. But since this is a modern-day adaptation um, in a modern setting, that doesn't really work. So um, I racked my brain thinking, okay, how could we do this? And what I came up with in the end was just doing it as if it's a normal room on a ship and like a cruise ship sort of yeah kind of like a cruise ship or a uh, aircraft carrier or assault carrier or something like that um and then have a ship door uh, when they're leaving so i think it worked or i hope it worked <laughs> I like how you have him in the listener's ear. <laughs> yeah, that that was um, not originally planned, um, but when I was playing with his audio, um, he kind of recorded close to the mic. And so normally what I do when someone does that is I reduce their volume so it sounds like they're a little bit further away. Um, but here it worked, and so I just kept it up close so that it sounded like he was trying to talk into his ear so it was one of those happy accidents I'm not talking about children I just want to mention that I love how good our actors sound drunk oh man these guys I have to wonder if they recorded their lines 
drunk. I have ever held my cap off. That would be Thou hast served That would be kind of funny. Um, I, I think my favorite um, actor in this scene is actually uh, Anna's Antony. Um, she does a very good job of staying like very formal and um, that's twice. How should What am I trying to say? Formal and punctual about what she's saying, but also you can hear that tinge of like he uh, in her voice. <laughs> Uh, it's really great. Be the earthly Jove, whatever the ocean pales or sky eclipse, is thine, if thou wilt have it. And Minas. These three world sharers, these competitors. I love that Ricky's take on this character is. Um, Let me cut the cable. And he makes him when we are put off, sound older um, than what I imagined. And it definitely works to contrast. Um, to contrast his proposals to people, because throughout most of this play, he is trying to convince people to do other things. Repent that ere thy tongue hath so betrayed thine act, being done unknown, I should have found it afterwards well done. But must condemn it now. Desist. So that's that that particular aspect of his character is easier to buy from someone making the voice sound older than it is if it, if someone was a lot younger trying to do the voice. This health to Lepidus. I'll pledge it for him, Pompey. Here's to thee, I actually remember um, the script for that line from Lepidus said yeah yeah that line right there it said uh, the line in the script was there was no line it was just a parenthetical which um, parentheticals for uh, you non-voice actors a parenthetical in a script is either an instruction for an actor or it is an instruction for the director. And sometimes it's both. Um, so the parenthetical was, who's the happy drunk? <laughs> and um, the, the point being that he would just, in, instead of saying anything, he would just be like, uh, But instead... He read the line as if it was a line, so and so he just says, who's the happy drunk? And, <laughs> and it cracked me up, made me laugh, and so I kept it Come, in the play. Let's all take hands <laughs> till that the conquering wine hath steeped our sense in soft and delicate... And coming up is singing. All take hands. Make singing from Amberly. The while I'll place you. Yeah, when I when I cast Amber as this character, I made sure that I chose someone who I knew could do, um, who I knew could sing and create their own melody. Um, the original plan was to have music in the background composed for the song, but as I started playing with it, I realized, eh. That doesn't quite work like I thought it would work. Um, it works better if she's just singing. Um, no mic, no band in the background, because, you know, it's a ship. <laughs> and um, so I just kept it this way. And in the background, I put a song or a song that I composed. Um, what would you more? Or a, a piece I composed uh, titled Rejoined. Let me request you off. 
Our grave um, business frowns I actually, with levity. I actually, um, let's part. You see, we have burnt our composed that track for a different than the wine. audio drama. And my own tongue splits um, what it speaks. And when I was doing this scene, I realized, hmm, what needs more that words? would work really well for this. Good, Anthony. So I went ahead and stuck it in here, and I like it. Oh, Anthony, you have my father's house. But what? We are friends. Come down into the boat. Take heed, you fall not. Someone could really take that the wrong way. It's like, take heed, you fall not. No. Hee <laughs> hee. Did you do this piece? The same piece? Or? I did, yes. This is the, the same piece. Uh, rejoined. Let Neptune hear we bid a loud farewell to these great fellows. And I think that that is a digital harp and a pad in the background. I think as an arpeggio, uh, if I recall correctly. It's been over a year since I composed it, so I could be could be a little wrong, but I think I'm right on that. Let's not swear to anything, though, just in case. <laughs> And that's it. That's it. We've recorded this commentary twice, and that's it. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> I think we did a better job this time, though. <laughs> I think we did, because I forgot everyone's name the first time around. Like a dummy. <laughs> um, at least Brian doesn't forget everyone's name here in the credits. Andrew no, he doesn't. <laughs> See, Brian's a pro. Ricky Wright as Menace. Rachel I'm just as Landon. <laughs> is it supposed to be Domitius or Domitius? Um, it is Domitius. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's one of those names that people tend to pronounce incorrectly. Just because of the way it's spelled. Somebody does say it as Domitius later on. Yeah. And so I just, I went ahead and, if there was a character, or excuse me, an actor who said Domitius, I went ahead and used it. Uh, because it would make sense to me if these people were meeting this guy, and he, I mean, he's not a prominent guy. So if they were to meet this guy and they, they weren't familiar with his name, they'd say it wrong. Hmm. Um, so that, that's kind of why I kept it. Directed by Landon Bell. Um, I remember when Assistant actors were asking me for the name, it's like, oh, it's Demicious. Demicious and a Barbos. <laughs> you can blame Latin. Or Italian. Or both. It may be one or the other. I don't know. <laughs> and if you don't want to blame those two, you can blame Shakespeare. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production Spread the blame. <laughs> Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And that's the end for us. Yes. We will see you next month when we tackle Anthony and Cleopatra Act 3 Part 1. Yes. Till then. Peace. <laughs> Bye.